Thursday, April the 27th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got a lot going on for you on this one. Uh, we want to give you a quick NFL draft preview with our buddy Eric from ETOF21 Sports. So we'll dive right into that in just a moment. Then we'll get into... Friday racing from Keeneland, Friday racing from Santa Anita. It's actually closing day at Keeneland on Friday. We have some best bets there, some best bets over at Santa Anita, and we'll get into this week in wrestling with the Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. want to let you know about a couple sponsors of this one, thrivefantasy.com. That is the website. It's a daily fantasy website. If you're someone who likes to play sports, who likes to play fantasy sports, or who likes to play props, do you want to wager on props, but maybe you're in a state where you can't, like California or Texas, you can play Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code GINO, deposit at least 25 all the way up to 250 and it'll give you a match deposit bonus. And when you play at Thrive Fantasy, the parlays pay out better than they would if you played props parlayed somewhere else. So take advantage of the bonus, get some action in California, in Texas, anywhere that you can with Thrive Fantasy. Over at DRF Sportsbook, if you're in the state of Iowa, you need to register Sign up and use the promo code FAST1000. It'll get you up to a $1,000 deposit match for DRF Sportsbook. Let's dive into NFL Draft. I'm recording this early Thursday. I actually had this conversation with Eric on Wednesday, so I wanted to try to get it out to you so everyone could hear a little before the draft comes tonight, Thursday night. Take a look at uh, and a listen to what Eric thinks will happen, some of the big possibilities in this year's NFL Draft. Just talking about the NFL draft a day out as we are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. I had to get my buddy Eric to help me out a little bit because I haven't been quite as um, quite as in-depth following along with everything that's going to happen in the draft this year. But I know my man Eric always is. He covers it. He does mock drafts. He wagers on stuff. And Eric, you're actually going to the draft this year, correct? Yeah, going to the draft. Um, you know, I got someone who wants me to talk to people, interview people, so that should be that should be an experience. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to the NFL draft, even when I was here in Chicago. I didn't go, but taking the trip to Kansas, leave bright and early tomorrow morning, and I'll be out there. So if you see me walking the streets, you know, come say hi, talk some shop. Uh, always willing to talk to people. Awesome. Eric uh, is someone who I'm sure most of you listening to this have heard his voice before on, on some of my shows or um, social media stuff. You can follow him on Twitter, etof 21 Eric from etof 21 Sports, a fantastic handicapper, gambler. And Eric and I have done a lot of work together over the last couple of years. We actually encourage any of you who are gamblers and who are in the state of Iowa, you can head to DRF Sportsbook and you can use our promo code FAST1000. We host a, a show together, Fast Break Bets, every day that previews NBA playoff stuff. So if you're in Iowa and you want to, to play, deposit and use that promo code FAST1000. You can get up to a $1,000 deposit match. Eric, it's crazy to think about what the NFL draft has become now and how many people love to wager on this draft and how how the wagers have changed. I mean, you used to be able to play minimums on small things here and there. Now there are so many ways to play this draft. Yeah. A lot of ways to play. Um, you know, one of my friends handled the shop and they said the handle that they're getting between the NBA playoffs and this is just absolutely remarkable. So um, many ways to gamble it. It's got to be careful though, because you know, this is something I fall into 
is there something what you'll do, but someone else may think something else. So you kind right. of if, think this about is, hey, this isn't always what? what's best for the team, right? You got to think about, you got to sort of handicap the owner or the GM, right? Or the coach that's making that decision too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's one of those things, you know what I mean? Like you do your best to kind of like look at the gambling odds, but the thing to remember with the gambling odds is a lot of the stuff and we see it in sports in general, is you have these big syndicate groups is they'll make these big wagers on a line. So the line that it, the other team player that it affects, then they, they can go in and hit the other side for a better, better price. So I, these rumors that go around and the betting lines, you kind of always have to take that with a grain of salt too, because we saw it last year in the NBA draft, there was, you know, Wojo was saying like, this player is going to be drafted one, but it was someone else. So it, you, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, just kind of do the work and then, you know, take the information and do the best you can. We're looking at NFL.com and has the list of the, the picks for round one round one of the draft starts on Thursday evening. So Eric, we have Carolina up top. They got the pick number one from Chicago, Houston's two, Arizona's three Colts are four Seattle's five. Your lions are six Raiders, seven Atlanta, eight. That's sort of like the top of the draft that we're looking at right now. And one thing we can just, you know, very easily notice from the teams that are listed there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in quarterback depth with those teams. Like a lot of those teams are searching for a QB or either in this spot or somewhere in the draft, or they're going to bring in a veteran. They don't have great quarterbacks for a lot of those teams at the top of the draft. So let's just sort of start out right at the top. I'm going to ask you four or five questions. We're not going to go through every single thing, but I want to know about the top of this draft. And I want some, I want to find out a few things about some teams Give us the top five here. How do you think it's going to play out at the top of the draft? Carolina's first. Carolina needs a QB. What are they going to do here? I mean, I know what I would do. I mean, but what I would do and what they would do are two completely. So, what would you do? I would draft CJ Stroud. To me, you you think um, of the QBs, he's the guy. I he's top of my board. That's what I would do if I was in this position i know there was like some tests he didn't do well on but to me you go in there and in that national champion national semifinal against georgia play like that to me you pass the test with everything that you're able to do but it's not me that's make, making the pick it is the um carolina panthers uh i think they're going to draft bryce young i think the one thing with young i think his big knock is he's 30 pounds less than kyler murray and people don't realize that Kyler yeah. Murray is really considered really small. That's the one knack with him. And then also the history of Alabama quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be um, Bryce Young that goes to the Carolina Panthers. So at number two, the Houston Texans sitting there, did they go quarterback? Do they go maybe something different? Because they're a team that still has a lot of holes to fill. Um, how do you expect them using the second pick? Um, I think when I had Sterling on my stuff last night, we had the actual, we actually had the Raiders trading up this pick. This is a really interesting pick because we don't know what's going to happen here. Like there's a lot of smoke coming out right now 
that Ryan wants a defensive player. At first, everyone thought, assumed it was going to be Will Anderson. Now, according to the betting odds, it's Tyrese Wilson, the kid from Texas Tech. Is it going to be Wilson? Are they going to draft a quarterback, even though they have Davis Mills in-house, which Pep Hamilton really did do a good service to? Are they going to look at the offensive line? Um a lot to me, this is kind of where the draft swings. Like, I know I in our draft last night that Sterling and I did, we had four quarterbacks going, but this is kind of the pick that swings it. If Houston trades out, which I think they're going to do to get a couple more assets because they do need to build, whoever goes to is going to get Stroud or Richardson or Will Levis. I think if it's or the Levis, Raiders, I think it's, right? I think it's Will Levis. I think they go Will Levis. Um, that's cool because you know, so usually we don't see, usually there's like a, a pretty set. This guy might be one. This guy might be two, three, or four. But it does seem like after, if if Bryce Young goes to Carolina, it does seem like after that, it would just be by, like, preference. I mean, I've heard guys, some teams seem like they're really high on Richardson, and they think he could, like his ceiling is so high that they would be willing to take a swing on him. And then we've heard the Levis rumors starting the last few days that that he's starting to really move his way up. Yeah, and or Richardson. Like, we don't know. Like, there's a million things. You know, you got Carter right there is off the field issue. You got Will Anderson. So there's just a million things that's going on. But, I mean, the thing is, when you just look at the Texans roster, you know, they need a quarterback. You know, what are they going to do? They need a wide receiver. They need offensive line help. They need defensive line help. They need back for help. Obviously, what I would do if I was the Texans is I would honestly try to trade back. If I can get the Raiders to trade up and I can acquire a couple picks, that's what I think yeah. I would do. And that's what I think they should do. Um, I don't then know you just take whoever's left, right? Yeah. I don't know of if the, the of these quarterbacks. Are we allowed to do trades in, in this exercise or not? Sure. Like, I guess yeah, so. absolutely. So, yeah. So let's have um, the Texans the Raiders. trade back to the Raiders it doesn't we'll say the Raiders send them a couple picks um you know send them they can trade up they can trade back even to like seven down right yeah just down to seven and then you could we'll say they trade the seven um and then we'll say that the Raiders I think the Raiders are going to take Will Levis with this pick I think that's what's going to happen so then we got um, Young off the board. We've got Levis off the board at one, two. We've got Arizona coming up at three after just a disastrous year for them last year. What do they do at three? Um, you know, an interesting thing here. I really think they need offensive line help. You got the kid from my neck of the woods, Peter Skolowski, who can play guard or tackle. He played tackle in the end of, in the for Northwestern, I think. He is going to play a little bit more in the interior in the league than you got Paris Johnson, the kid from Ohio State. Or you could go Will Anderson. You could go Tyrese Wilson. You could go a lot of different directions here. But again, Kyler Murray's hurt. He's going to miss the majority of the year. I don't understand why you just don't try to equip, like gain as many assets as you can possibly gain. Because I know – if I'm a GM here and I look and I go with my franchise quarterback, I just thought paying 200 or $175 million to his hurt. This season is not going to be my best because he's coming back. We'll probably, our cap to win games is probably five to six. We're going to have another high draft pick. Why don't we trade back and acquire more picks? You know, to yeah, me, absolutely. in the big scheme of things, this just makes sense. I think the Cardinals trade back and the team I think that trades up with them as crazy as it sounds, I think it's the Tennessee Titans. 
I think the Tennessee Titans straight up trade and get Stroud to, or Richardson straight up to get Stroud. I think they trade up to get Stroud. They went with the um, the athletic guy with um, oh my god, I'm spacing on the kid's name. The kid from Liberty uh, last year, Will Malik yeah, Wills. Yep, and that Wills. really that really didn't pan out. I think that the Titans are going to trade up. I think they're going to see CJ Stroud on the board. I think they're going to get excited just because we can kind of see the writing on the wall that they're going for a little bit of a small rebuild in Tennessee with the Eric Henry rumors that he's going to be traded, looking to get off of Tannehill. I think they see Stroud on the board. Some teams have Stroud as their top, top player. I think the Titans trade up. I think they take C.J. Stroud here with the third pick. Um, so, you know, so if you're Indianapolis, good. yeah. So if you're Indianapolis sitting at four, do you go get Richardson, the pro, like more of a project, a guy who has an incredibly high ceiling, but as far as being an accurate thrower in college, he was not. And the thing you need to remember with him is the new coach, whose name I'm fully spacing on. He was the guy responsible for the Herbert development. And then he went to Philadelphia and now he's responsible for Hertz development. And you get someone that's athletically gifted and Anthony Richardson throwing the football. Shane was a Steichen. Shane Steichen. Yeah. yeah. So I think this just makes complete sense. You obviously don't need to throw him out there right away. You're going to struggle this year. Um, I think, you know, you just take Anthony Richardson here with the fourth pick and, you know, he does it stuff. Six, the, the fifth pick, this is Seattle. This is kind of where stuff gets a little bit interesting. So you do Seattle. think, and it wouldn't, sho- it wouldn't shock you to see all four of the QBs I, go right away? Yeah, I think I think the four QBs go right off the board. I think teams trade up to them to get to the quarterback. Because if there's a guy you like on the board, you have to obviously make And, make and there's not really, him. is there any other quarterbacks in the first round, do you think, besides those four? Right now, I mean, one of the bets I did lock in was under four and a half quarterbacks at plus 160. I don't understand, like, with how premium these guys take the, take the picks. You have a 25-year-old and hated hooker. Sorry, excuse me, 26 now and hated hooker. And he's coming off a major knee injury, and you're really going to risk first-round equity with a draft pick to take him. So I took under four and a half quarterbacks just because in my head that just makes sense because why are you going to draft a quarterback coming off a major knee injury? Who's 26 years old? So, um, so it's like the pivotal, the, the pivotal spots that you think in the draft really are like two and five, right? Yeah, because two, two and three, just because like if the Cardinals don't move back, they're obviously going to take either Carter, Anderson, or Wilson. Def- a defensive player or an offensive lineman, right? Yeah, well, the, the offensive linemen, they're like top 10. The thing about this draft is these guys like in the top part of the draft really aren't that good. Compared to other drafts, don't get me other wrong. years, good, they may not, not be like, like franchise I, defensive players. They're just sort of the best exactly. of the group. Exactly. Um, you know, and then with five, from what I hear, and that sort of it leads into why you think there might be a lot of quarterbacks too. Because I think there's for a lot of heavy quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Because if you're looking around, going, okay, is this defensive player going to really move the needle for us? No, but we need a quarterback. There's four guys that we all feel confident, or maybe three that we feel pretty confident in. Let's get one of those three. And if you're one of the younger teams, you can say, okay, maybe the project for us, like the Colts, is is a Richardson type. Yeah. And um, 
Now, the fifth pick right now, this is where it can get a little crazy. Like, what does Seattle do? Because I heard Seattle, if a quarterback is on the board, they're going to take them just because Smith is a one-year rental, basically. Yeah. He has basically how his contract Richardson is. would be perfect for them, right? To have yeah, him Richard, not Richard need to start and, like, yeah. learn a little bit. And you'd have, like, Geno Smith would be a great guy to mentor him. Someone so who's this, been up and down and you have a good coach in Pete Carroll. That that might work out great for them if that can happen, right? Yeah. And so they're kind of the, – the pick that kind of swings it is what do the Texans do? The Texans take mm-hmm. a quarterback themselves. They take a defensive player with the Marco Ryan. They get someone that fits his system. Um, or do they trade out? So, I mean, that's kind of the swing pick. And then the Cardinals pick. Those two, three are kind of going to shape up the draft. Um, if those two teams stay, I think the Cardinals for sure will take the best defensive player they have on the board. Uh, Texans, you know, God only knows what they're going to do. Well, that that uh, takes but... us to number six in your Detroit Lions, buddy, who had a fantastic year last year. And now you have some a real opportunity to improve your team this year through the draft, through for uh, even continued through free agency. What do you hope, think, want for the Lions at six? Um, obviously from what I'm hearing is their dream draft is Will Anderson and that Holmes still has on the board that he would actually trade up to get Will Anderson and pair Will Anderson with Aiden Hutchinson just to get those two dynamic pass rushers. That'd be a dream scenario. Obviously if he falls down here, they're going to be doing backflips. One of my bets that I did lock in was, Boom, Will Anderson plus 750 picked at six with Detroit. I think it kind of, I think there's going to be four quarterbacks to start. Seattle has uh, Tyree Wilson as their highest graded one. They've gone on and said they really don't want, I don't, how can I word this? There's so much baggage with Jalen Carter. I don't know. I think he falls all the way down to 10. I think Wilson goes and I think the Lions take Will Anderson. And then with the Texans, you know, the Texans are right here. They can go wide receiver, which I think would be a little bit early. They could take Jalen Carter because they need defensive help. But I really think with the, what DeMarco Ryan likes to do is they need that prominent edge rusher. I think the Texans take Nolan Smith, who can get to the quarterback. You get the pass rusher. That brings it up to the Falcons. Falcons, they could draft Carter here because he's staying in his home state. Um, you know, with a place he's familiar. But this is another team who said, hey, you know what, look, there's a little, we're, we're really valuing character here. And there's with what happened with his teammate dying because there's alleged car race that, you know, Carter was in that caused it. Um, I think the Falcons are going to look, they have A.J. Terrell already back there. They're going to take Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, that way you have two cornerbacks for the next six six years to lock down the interior. I think they're going to look to build that defense. I think they're going to go Devin Witherspoon. And then, you know, that brings me to nine with the Chicago Bears. The Bears, I mean, this is the perfect position where you have Jalen Carter, who's their top-rated prospect on the board. Do you take Jalen Carter or do you protect your asset in Justin Fields? To me, it's a no-brainer. You're going to have to take Paris Johnson, the left tackle from um, from Ohio State here. That way you need that tackle to protect um, 
um, Justin Fields, which brings me to 10. Philly is notorious for taking chances on guys in drafts. This is where I think we see Jalen Carter go to. So that's kind of how my my top, top 10, 10 uh, kind of kind of plays out. I think the if, team that could really make an impact here is a team like the Houston Texans. Yeah. Texans, they're in, the, they're in the two spot. You know, looking at it right now, you know, not taking anything into consideration. You look at how many draft picks the Houston Texans have. They have picked two, 33, 65, 104, 167, 188, 201, wow. 203, 230, 259. So they have a lot of draft picks. Now, if you – oh, sorry, they have two and 12 in the first round. So you could move back and you can just start following, like, taking pieces. And I really think, like, that's what you should do if you are the Houston Texans right now is just kind of get as many pieces as you can. Because your team sucks. I I mean, I love the team, but your team needs pieces. You don't just need a quarterback. You you don't – and you need a lot. And and on the flip side, it's not going to take you – as much to be competitive in the division, right? If you can fill in a lot of these holes, we saw Seattle do it last year, go from a team that everybody thought was going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They added a ton through the draft. And then all of a sudden they were a playoff team. Would it be that crazy in this division where we just talked about the Titans might be rebuilding. They might be trading up to draft a quarterback. The Colts, they're going to be at the top of the draft, likely picking a quarterback, whether it's, uh, Richardson or Stroud or Levis or whoever sort of is left over for them where they are. And I mean, we all got really excited about the Jags last year and sure they they're going to continue to step forward, but are they world? Like, are we terrified of them? Like this is not a division where you're that far away from being competitive in the division. No, they could definitely, I mean, move back, get a couple assets, look to build. I think another team that is very interesting you know, just because of the players that they have that could make a move is the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they have the 28th pick, the 60th pick, 92, 131, 163, 206, 246. Jonah Williams has already demanded a trade, so that's their left tackle. There's a lot of teams that need offensive line help. Maybe they could flip him for a mid-round pick. There's obviously all that stuff going on with Joe Mixon. That's another big contract. And there's T. Higgins. You know, they may have to move T. Higgins to acquire a couple more picks because the reality of the situation is you have Mixon, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins' contract all coming up at the same time. You know what I mean? So financially, you can't afford that. They have no choice. So they, have to, have, they have to do something now. They have to look to move those pieces. And, like, maybe they can flip Higgins for, like, what, a third and a fifth, two, four, like something like that to acquire more pieces. That's a team that I'm definitely interested in to kind of see what's going on. Obviously, there's two very good tight ends in this draft, and Michael Meyer and Dalton Kincaid. One of them could fall all the way down, or if, like, falls down to, like, 20th, do we see um, them kind of look to trade up to get that pick? Um, really kind of interested to see what they're going to do there. And the, But I really have to say the pick that kind of intrigues me the most is this pick 13, you know, that's the Green Bay Packers pick. All these years, Aaron Rodgers needed a wide receiver. <laughs> they, They're going to go get one right now. You know they Aaron are. Rodgers 
has been very vocal about wanting um, Njoku Smith, the kid from Ohio State. I think it'd be hilarious if they drafted him. But they got you know, we just don't know. You know, they got um, to. That's great. You know, my um, you know, and the Lions. The Lions have pick 18. You know, they could really do some stuff. You know, it's gonna be interested to kind of what do you, see, you what know, do you what want them to get? Like what box do you think they really need to check through through their top two, right? Let's say the Lions can't get Anderson at six for whatever reason. Somebody else grabbed him early. They the quarterback, they didn't take a quarterback. What what do they need in these first two picks, Detroit? Uh, they need defense in my eyes. Like in, in my eyes, the perfect world the perfect first round draft for me for Detroit is they get Will Anderson. And they get uh, Banks, the defensive back from Maryland. That would be, in my eyes, a, I'm doing a backflip for um, for them. Um, you know, but what I think, you know, if Anderson does go or Wilson does go, they're probably going to draft Witherspoon, the cornerback, and then with the second pick, they'll go with a tight one of the tight ends. So I, I think they're either going to go Anderson or Wilson if they're still on the board, and then look to take Banks or Joey Porter, the kid from Penn State, in with their 18th pick. Or if Anderson or Wilson are off the board, I think then they're going to look to go Witherspoon, who is the top DB from Illinois. And then with their second pick, that's when I think that they'll take the tight end, either Meyer or Kincaid. I have Kincaid as my tight end on the board. Eric, buddy, thank you so much. I know you're busy and you're going to be heading to uh, to cover this draft for the next few days. So thanks again. We're going to follow you at ETOF21 on Twitter. Check out ETOF21 Sports all over the place. Follow Eric. He has a great podcast on uh, Tuesday night. His show comes out also on Friday every week. I mean, everything covers everything in sports. And you hear him on my shows, on my podcast. And we also do a NBA show together, Fast Break Bets. I know you got to run, buddy. So thanks so much. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Talk soon, my man. Don't go anywhere, folks. If you're listening to the podcast, we have plenty more to come. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Stable Duel has those daily contests for horse racing. StableDuel.com to get involved. Sometimes they have free games, free entry games with actual cash prizes. And there's a weekend preview show every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time with myself, with Barry Spears, and with Matt DeSantis. Let's talk some Friday racing right now. Let's get on over to Keeneland. I have uh, some thoughts on races 6, 7, 9, and 10. It's Keeneland closing day on Friday, and we flip to race number 6. They'll go a mile and a mile and three sixteenths on the turf course, made in special weights. I like the 10 in here. That is seldom seen. So his debut, or her debut race was in a race where the top two finishers were first and second all the way around the track. She debuted going a mile and a sixteenth on the synthetic. She actually got some action in that debut. Her dam was a turf winner, and she's also a half to a horse named Starting Over who had three turf wins and was grade two placed, and all three wins came going long on the turf. So now this filly will try the turf for the first time. She has a nice pedigree for it. She exits a race where it was a merry-go-round race. She didn't have a chance to pass because the top two finishers were 1-2 all the way. She's actually worked on turf. She adds the blinkers to give her more speed and a little more focus. Both jockey and trainer, a little unlucky at the meet. They're due for some luck. This barn, 25% with second-time starters over the last five years with a $1.75 ROA. Uh, has won 34 times in the last 138 with first time, with second-time starters. Seldom seen is 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over 5, we'll make a win wager on the number 10 there. Keeneland's 7th race. The number 6 Loyal Company for trainer Brendan Walsh. This one's a half to prevalent, Prevalence. Grade 3 winner who won 4 races, won his first 2. 
showed precocity, debuted at seven furlongs, and five of six siblings were stakes winners, or five of six siblings were winners, excuse me. In that debut, he was towards the rear. He was 10th of 12, about six lengths off. He moved in between. Then he tipped out to the 6th or 7th pass. He just missed second. The winner that day went wire to wire. And Loyal Company was really, really wide. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. We have him more like a 6-1 to one shot here. The number 6, Loyal Company in race number 7. Now in race number 8, it is the Bewitch. It's the grade 3 Bewitch. They'll go a mile and a half on the turf. I thought the five personal best, if you're trying to beat Warlike Goddess, personal best is an up-and-coming filly. And she might be one of the most naturally quick in this field. Honestly, there's just not that much speed. So she should be forwardly placed in here. Number five, personal best. Let's go to the ninth race. We've got... Seven furlong, non-winners of two, allowance race. And I like the two, debate. So this guy is going to cut back. He tried a mile last time out. He was in the two path. He was starting to move into contention. He just didn't real, really have any punch. But he didn't just stop either. He was just kind of grinding and sort of coming on again late. He's only raced four times in his career, and he had a big gap of a year layoff. So now he should be really getting back into form. He's interesting in here to me. Debate on the slight turn back. Maybe he can sit just off the pace in here. There's probably a couple speeds, a couple that are quicker than him. I'd love to see him sitting right behind them. All the cart is going to take a lot of money. Debate is 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 4, that feels fair to me. We get to the 10th race. First level allowance, a mile on the turf. I like the number six, Laver, who was 12 to 1 on the morning line. The dam was a seven time winner on the turf, was a graded stakes winner, and a grade one winner earned nine, wait, earned uh, uh, $434,000. This one's a half to Navratilova, was a three time turf winner, grade three uh, winner on the turf. I said 434, I'm at 934,000 for center court. This is a nice pedigree for Laver. Tossed the Sam F. Davis against Graded Stakes Company. He's worked steady since late February. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. The number six, Laver, 12 to 1 on the morning line. Anything over six will make a win wager there on Laver. So that's a look at Friday over at Keeneland. Let's move to Friday, Santa Anita. Friday, Santa Anita. Let's take a look uh, right off the bat. Race number one. They're going to go six and a half furlongs on the turf course. There is not very much early speed in here at all. Horses that could be forwardly placed. Like maybe Caterini. Maybe Jamie's Inheritance. I like Gritty Girl. Now, she has not raced in 11 months. She's a twice beaten favorite. And I don't even know if she wants to go this far. But she seems like she's way quicker than the rest of this group. She's fresh. And I'm going to let her try to take him as far as she can go. Six to one on the morning line. I wouldn't want to take less than like four on her. Gritty girl, the number one, uh, the number seven in race number one at Santa Anita. We move to the third race for Friday Santa Anita's card, April the 28th. I like the four in here, Neptune Storm. So let's look at his last five races. September 2nd, it was on the dirt. Put a line right through it. October the 8th. He's close up fourth. He's in between. He gets completely blocked at the top of the lane with nowhere to go. November the 5th comes back in a first level allowance race. 
Um, he was mid-pack. He's three wide sprinting. He just had a no-chance trip because the top two were close up throughout. The horses who finished 1-2, they were right there early. Then December the 11th, it was a wet track. You can toss that race. Last out, he had a fine start. He was inside. He he backed up to third, and he was just behind the leaders, and all of a sudden, he gets continued to get pushed back and pushed back, and, all, and then he's in the third flight. He's back to like fifth. Um, he sort of loomed up, but he just wasn't moving as well. As the winner, he's kind of in between horses too. I thought Neptune Storm has a better race in him than what we've seen recently. This is a multiple graded stakes winner. And I feel like he might be able to sit third in here and get a really great trip. He's 10-1 to 1 on the morning line in race number three. That's the four Neptune Storm. Let's move to race number seven. I'm looking at the eight in here. Medea. So... A lot of times, horses that come in from Los Alamitos, especially horses that have been running in the like the quarter horse races or these thousand yard races, they get dismissed. But Medea has some legitimate turf form. He's five for six in the money. She is in the turf. She's super competitive in spots just like this last year. She can sit. She can pass horses. And she used the races at Los Alamitos recently to get her some work to get her sharpened up and prepped for this. And now she should be a little fitter trying to go a mile with those shorter races under her than if she just tried to go a mile off the bench. She ran into Rose Maddox. That's a stakes winner. This this gal finished in front of a couple uh, next out winners back on April the 15th. Two starts, on, two starts back on the turf. Carmen Miranda is a nice open allowance type horse. Then number eight, Medea. 8-1 to one on the morning line in race number 7 on Friday. Then at Santa Anita, race number 8, you have Ida, who's a grade 1 winner but has not raced since March of last year. You have Heels Up, who's super talented, but we haven't seen in a year. You have you know, Violent Runner, who wants to be forwardly placed. Teddy Barino wants to be forwardly placed. I'm looking at Christie's Tiger in here. Now, she's not quite as good as some of the others, but she has recent form. She can sit off and pass horses, and she likes the six and a half furlongs trip. I think Christie's Tiger is a good fit here in race number eight. The number eight, the number two, Christie's Tiger is eight to one. And then we close up Santa Anita, race number nine, with a heartbreak kit shot. Right, girls, the number five should be in a really nice spot here. Pereira jumps on. He's a very nice year riding. This guy gets a class drop. He gets Lasix for the first time. Heartbreak Kid exits a race on December the 4th behind Mi Hermano Ramon. There were actually three next out winners that day. Mi Hermano Ramon came back to win, um, was uh, fourth in back-to-back stakes races after winning. And you can just toss the dirt races. You have three races on the turf. Two of them are very good. Last out was an easy toss. Got some action. Showed positional speed. Sort of was right behind Reincarnate a few starts back. So if we're just talking about class and ability, it's there with Heartbreak Kid. The number five, he's six to one on the morning line. Anything over three will make a win wager on Heartbreak Kid. There's a look at Friday, Santa Anita. 
best of luck. We'll have more help for you with Saturday Santa Anita, Saturday Golden Gate, some Saturday Churchill, but we recorded this a little early on Thursday. I figured instead of trying to rush through everything, let's just put this one out and then we'll get you more information on social media over the weekend. So good luck playing the races this weekend. Before we head into wrestling, I want to talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava, and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters. Maybe you need help with the, the lending process, with the, the loan process. She'll connect you with the right type of lender that'll make your life easier. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com, CindyCarava.com. Time to talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. We actually start with AEW this week. Then we get into WWE with Backlash coming up, a new title being announced, and we finish up with NXT Spring Breaking. Koopaloop, Chad Coop, joins us for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Time again to talk this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Rumors are he's in the parking lot of Monday Night Raw right now. Everybody's posting some videos of Chad Cooper out there. No, wait, that's CM Punk. CM Punk is over at Monday Night Raw. And uh, it's crazy. I, I thought I thought I saw Chad, but it was Punk. Lots of similar resemblance there. Koopa Loop, my man, how we doing this week? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's... uh. It, it, it's the wild and wacky world of professional wrestling. You never know who's going to appear backstage. So what do you think that was about? And, uh, like, how do you read that situation? I don't know. I, I, you know, I, you try to take it in. What's, what's odd is, is if you believe the report, which I, I think what hasn't been disputed was he was asked by security to leave. Was Vince McMahon there? Uh, did Vince immediately find out about it and doesn't want anything to do with it? CM Punk wants to talk to Triple H specifically. There's videos of him talking to talent. At the end of the day, this is this this has nothing to do. You know, someone said, oh, um, he's probably out there promoting AEW and trying to get some buzz. Well, number one, I don't think CM Punk needs to promote himself because he, he's CM Punk wherever he goes. And this new show that allegedly he's going to be part of on, on Saturday nights doesn't start until later in June, uh, which will probably, as we talk about AEW, which will probably be uh, maybe the kickoff or the finals of the Owen Hart Championship Tournament Memorial, whatever they're doing. I think that's going to be part of this this Saturday event. I don't know. You know, I if, no if the idea. guy is still under contract. No, I, I just don't. I wish I could tell you. If the guy is still under AEW contract. Isn't this kind of an FU to Tony? Raw, then that's a slap in the face. That's a slap in the face. At the end of the day, regardless of what happens, if, Gino, you're working for company A, whose main rival is company B, and you're coming back to company B to be a part of a new program, and they found, that, found out that you were at 
companies a big event uh i just i don't know how i would take that this is just a weird ordeal anyway if all rumors are true that punk can't work with certain people and certain people can't work with How do you do, you can't do that? Punk. Like, how do you do that? How do you have that's a pay-per-view? That's hard to do in a dressing room. Well, so how do you have a pay-per-view? You, you just, I, that's a good point. Where do you put him uh, in a, in a. He opens he the show, does away? the match, and then he's out? And then he's out? Like, what do you, you know? He's out, he's the, the old Brock Lesnar Brock gimmick, Lesner. right? Brock Lesnar, yep. Today. Is that AC? Isn't that AC or what DC, DC yeah. says about exactly. Brock? Exactly. Opening the show and goes on home. Get it's on just out to beat the traffic. That, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, forget playing the 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 wrestling gimmick. Kayfabe is uh, I I just don't know anymore. That was very very bizarre. And what's even more bizarre, it was like trending number one on Twitter. And this is after all kind of news, uh, political news, wars, you, firings, you name it. CM there was all, you're right. There was a lot going on on Monday. You're right. There was a lot, and <laughs> yeah. this. Was, and this was uh this was trending. So while we're talking AEW, let's just start there because we were talking a little bit of AEW. So let's just start with Dynamite this week, and then we'll uh we'll move on over to uh, to WWE. So this was a weird show. It didn't feel as much, and there were some some positive things throughout the show, but I don't know, we didn't get, in my opinion, like the normal Dynamite banger or two. I guess following the opener, the opener was good, and I will say. It's it's a little weird that they've they've gone this route in having Orange Cassidy like open up the show every single week. I don't know if it's good for Dynamite overall, for the ratings overall. I don't know if it would be better to have different people out there, but I will say I think it's done a pretty good job for Orange Cassidy. Like just he feels like a more like one of the most important guys on the roster, Chad, because we see him all the time. Like, this title all of a sudden seems not like it's being defended against the top-tier guys on the roster, but it seems important because every week he's out there defending it, and we don't see others for weeks at a time sometimes. So, while I'm not sure if this is what I would do for my company, if you're talking about what's good for the wrestler Orange Cassidy, I think they've done a pretty good job with him, and, and this was a good match to open the show. It was, and that's the one thing we've, one of the, our, our biggest complaints about AEW, uh, other than storylines, and uh, would be consistency on certain superstars, uh, or, not, or certain wrestlers, uh, and, and, and seeing them in sort in a match or two, and then not seeing them for another six or seven weeks. Well, we're, we're back to the Orange Cassidy wrestling a. Uh, a match every week with this title and you're right. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, the title, it is what it is. I, I don't, I'm not into the name changing of these titles. I, I don't think it did it any, any good. Uh, I think it maybe even cheapened it a little bit, but what I help, agree. helps is, the, is orange Cassidy being on this show every week. And not only is he kicking off AEW Dynamites, he's done this several times now and has some good matches. We're seeing him again, whether it's 10, 15, or 20 seconds later in the show in a batch, backstage segment. Now, whether or not it's it's goofy or not, or the gimmick or whatever, I think they missed the boat. I think this guy, this is what this this guy came in with one of the hottest indie gimmicks around. You couldn't book this guy. If you were an indie promoter here in Texas, you couldn't book this guy. Remember, you beat he Jericho every weekend. And he had a match with Omega. Yeah. In he had that he was in that yeah. triple threat match yeah. for the title. Um, for the title and 
he kind of goes away for a while and I, you know, you stick these with the best friends. I, I just think it hurt him overall, but you know, on the flip side of it, he, he is with the title every week, getting some matches and I'm okay with it. Now I'd like to see some, some better talent, you know, go one-on-one and give him a, a gimmick. Give matches. him a story. And, this is my biggest problem. John, that. Yes. Is that yes. at this point now he needs a story. He, he can't just be, like open challenge every week, right? At this point now, give him a storyline so he can have a feud and that can build to a match at a big show at a big pay-per-view. I like what they've done now, but now you got to go to the next level because I heard someone say this about Tony Khan and the way they book things. It's like, there's two parts of it. It's the story and then the match. And it's like the why you're putting the people together and then the match. He The match... We, we almost never have a problem with with the matches overall, right? There are botches yep. here and there. Maybe there's some unsafe spots here and there. But as far as the, oh, wow, those are two pretty good wrestlers in the ring. They're going to go out and have a great match. We get frustrated that they don't enhance that match by making us care more about them going into it. Sure, sure. No, and I agree. Uh, a, a majority of the time... Uh, the botches are, especially on the men's side of things, uh, th- they're on, on a move that I don't know needs to be tried or if you've done it three or four times throughout your career. So at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I, I'm okay. Most of the botches do come with, with some of the talent that's not um, as hasn't better. been around long enough. Yeah, the newer yeah, talent it, sort it of trying to prove it. Hurt. And it does it does, and it, it, it they do need to have some sort of training there. But that's that's for another day. But the this guy would be incredible in a story. He would. His his character has been good. It just would be really good if we get a talent. Hey, I, I, again, I would love to see him and Rusev. I mean, you got two, oh, that would be great. Is it believable? Maybe, but I, just somebody like him to come in and work a good program heading up to the pay-per-view that's coming up later uh, this year or later this summer um, in Vegas, which is, you know, undoubtedly one of their biggest and have him in a legit storyline. If you're going to have this guy wrestling every other week or every week, give him a payoff, give him a payoff. I mean, look, getting back going again, it's not too late, even though he should have been doing it over the past 12 months. But but give him a good storyline with something meaningful instead of just, hey, coming up tonight, uh, you know, Orange Cassidy, we didn't know Orange Cassidy was, you know, unless you follow AEW on Twitter, social media, I don't know if they announce all these matches, you know, for the week or, or, or you know, a week out. So g- give him something that we can look forward to. And I think a good payoff at the pay-per-view would be excellent for this guy because I still think the gimmick he does still has some legs in it. Yeah. The uh, build to Adam Cole and Jericho has started. So what ended up happening is um, Adam Cole is being interviewed and he said he's going to call out Chris Jericho. And if Jericho doesn't come out, then he's going to find Jericho. Um, and later in the night, he does. I will say, what did Jericho say about you just let Britt get beat up? It's like something like that. That made me, <laughs> that really made me laugh. Like, I, that guy kind of popped yeah. me. He's like, God, I don't even want to be in the same ring with you. Like, you let her get beat up, you know? He's like, uh, that was 
was pretty funny. He said, you're a disgrace. Um, and then the Jericho Appreciation Society, they attack Cole. Orange Cassidy and Bandito make the save. And then here comes Roderick Strong to make the save. He makes his AEW debut. Um, so, again, I thought I popped at the line that Jericho had. I thought that was really funny. The it Roderick Strong. Was, look, look, that's one thing you can rely on by some of these veterans. If you get tired of seeing Chris Jericho bury people or not do this or be in this type of match, the one thing you can count on is these guys cutting a good promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never, ever talked bad about these guys cutting promos. Now, on the other side, Roderick Strong, I, I still thought he was under WWE contract. And he was just going to sit it out, but I guess that's what he did. And Roderick Strong shows up here. I feel like he's another one of those guys that we'll see right now. He'll make a splash. We'll probably get him yes. in a mat. We're going to get him in one or two matches, and then... I wouldn't be shocked if he transitions over to Ring of Honor, where he had a lot of his success. He was a Ring of Honor guy. I could see him just wanting to go back there sort of towards the end of his career. So I think that was the issue. He he wanted to wrestle, and I think WWE wanted him more of like a behind-the-scenes coach, sort of producer type. Yeah, and, and you know, his wife is there, Marina Shafir. Um, yeah, who, that makes sense, too. You're who right. has some talent. Look, she's she's green. We We all know that. You could pair them two together. But, yeah, if you're bringing him over for a couple of matches and putting over at Ring of Honor, if the guy wants to work and this is where he wants to be and this is happy, he's with his wife and, you know, they have a kid, then you you can't fault the guy. But I'm just here to tell you now, I'm not going to get too attached to Roderick Strong. Yeah, I don't think he's going to move the needle. You know, I just, yeah. Nice guy, though. Look, look, he's he's a good worker. The problem is uh, there's a lot of guys on that roster that look and kind of built are like him. That are, are built like him. So is he going to stand know. out? Right. Is he going to be any different yeah, yeah. than good way of putting. Good other way of really putting. strong workers? Um, Cause he's not a great promo either. Right. So, no. I mean, you just no. throw him in the ring with the, with a guy like Cole, who's a way better promo and a very good worker. Right. You have someone like sure. a Ricky Starks. who's a good worker and a better promo. Right. And then you have a lot of these guys like even like Bandito, Orange Cassidy that we're talking about that, probably are more defined or equally as good of a worker. So we'll see if he can find a, a, some footing and find a place here. We had Dax Harwood versus Jeff Jarrett. This is kind of a weird one because one, I don't, I have no idea why. I mean, I guess they're going to lead to a, a tag match here, but 55 year old Jeff Jarrett picking up a win over Dax, who you just brought back, who you just re-signed in last year, these guys, the FTR, they had an incredible year. They had a better year than I thought that they could have ever had, even as, as singles guys. There was a lot of buzz about them. People all over the internet were were always raving about their matches. They got to have some really fun, cool singles matches. And I know they haven't wrestled a bunch recently. They were a little hurt, and then they were feel, figuring out what they were going to do with their contract, where they were going to go. I didn't think this match looked very good, to be honest. I thought it looked really slow, kind of plotting. Um it ended up going about 11 minutes, and Jeff Jarrett gets the win after, you know, cheap interference. I just don't know what this did for anybody. Like, does this does this do anything for Dax or Jet or Jarrett? Like, does Jarrett need any wins at all nowadays? I just, <laughs> I mean, I just don't. Does, does Jarrett need to be wrestling? Be honest. Uh, I, I, it, look, I've never had a problem with the double J. You know, <laughs> um, I, I'm with you. 
Uh, I, I don't understand. And, and look, I, I should know this. What what titles does FTR have now? Ring, are they the Ring of Honor? Tag no, they're the team AEW team? Tag Team Champions again. AEW they beat, Tag Team Champions. Because they beat okay, that's the what guns. I thought. Right? They beat the guns. That's what I thought. Um, here or there, uh, we've seen it with the Usos. Uh, let's be honest, the Usos, um, not as a tag match. But Usos have been in multiple singles matches uh, during their tag team title run, and they've lost here and there. But a majority of time, they are winning. Now, if they're going to lose to a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn, that's one thing. That's one thing. Look, I, I'm sorry. As, as good as Jeff Jarrett has been, whatever you want to call him, Hall of Famer, I just this is not the AEW I thought. Look, if you bring an, a veteran in and get him involved in a pay-per-view type match and he goes over, okay. But can't we find somebody else than Dax Harwood? I mean, what, and, and didn't you even make the comment? Because I noticed it. He didn't look very good. He looked a little big, Physically, like around the around the belly. Looked part. looked a little off. Yeah. And I don't and like I said, I don't mind if you look big but you still wrestle the same way. It's fine. I don't care. I don't care what you look like. I love Kevin Owens. I love like I, I've been a big fan of like bit, any type of big wrestler. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be cut up. You just have to be still in shape and able to do what you did. I didn't think Dak, and maybe it was a combination of Dax and Jeff together, him being a little bit older. So they were not going like a step as fast as Dax could have gone with other guys. Maybe, but whatever it was, I don't know. I feel like there's a level of AEW in ring work that they try to give you like a floor. And for both of these guys, I just don't know. I just don't know what it, I don't know if I need Jarrett. If you want him, do you still, do you need him in the 10 minute singles match at this point? If you want him out there, give him, put him in a tag, no. match, right? He's finding a tag match where he can come and, and, in. And why, and why, and why FTR is not in a tag match. I mean, and look again, I don't have a problem with the tag having singles matches. Cause as you said, we saw FTR do some singles uh, over the past year or so. And they've been pretty good at it. I just didn't do good for not only either one of them, but I don't think this really did any good for AEW overall. At the end of the day, why is Jeff Jarrett going over one half of your tag team champions? That can't, I, I, again, I, I don't care if Hulk Hogan was still wrestling. I'm not wanting to put a guy over that doesn't need to be put over when I'm, I'm holding one of your belts and, and belts. And, and remember, remember Gino, let's go back to day one with AEW wins and losses are going to matter. In this company, no, they stopped that, right? You can't even find rankings or ra- anymore it. anywhere. There's no records of anything. No, there's no. none. And these records, and these records are so inflated. You know, there was somebody who was on the other night. It was like 27 and 13. I went, who did they beat? You know, they this have is a, like, you know, this is six like matches George on town. You know, putting all the you know, yeah, playing Fairlight Dickinson. You know, <laughs> you know, five times in non-conference. Come on. But again, if wins and losses matter to this company, that match would not have been booked uh, Wednesday night. So Tony Khan makes an announcement. Not, uh, you know, we roll our eyes at the uh, the announcement gimmick that he <laughs> all the time. I got another big announcement. I got another big announcement. Now, I, I will say about this, big Bret Hart mark. He was my all-time favorite. Love Owen Hart. This is a weird one because on one hand, it feels weird that we're honoring Owen Hart in a non WWE situation because he spent <laughs> right? his whole career in WWE and we can't use his footage. 
from WWE, so they don't have a lot of like they can only show some New Japan stuff of his. So yeah, and there's some early training stuff from the old uh, so it, uh, the Heart Dungeon. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel perfect because of that. I will say though, on the flip side, I don't think because I was I was really thinking about it. I was like, you know, initially last year, and sometimes I thought, yeah, is Tony and them doing this just to get like used to get really good buzz and pub. The only thing is, like we say, they don't really do that a lot of the time in other things, right? I do think Tony right. is genuinely a fan of Owen Hart, and I think this is one of those things that in he's a nerdy wrestling fan. But that's that's and that's good when you're talking with your group of buddies. But that's not always great how you sh- you need to run a company. Totally different things like growing, developing your company, something like this. I think this I don't think there's any like ill will to this, Chad. I don't. I think Tony truly is like, no, 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 Owen no, no. deserves to get. Be. Yeah. And, and, and I think like I think I don't think this is really even for show because it goes on long. It's sort of weird. It's kind of hard to follow. It's. I really think this was a way to like very hard to follow. Yeah, I just it this has felt to me like cool. Okay, it just it's it's a bummer that we don't get a real Owen Hart tribute because his wife has issues with WWE. Um, so I do appreciate the fact that they've taken this as a way to give Owen a little bit of recognition that he may not get for a while while Vince is around and and you know um, I know his his wife doesn't have great ties with WWE so I know I didn't want to be as cynical about this I will say it's kind of weird it's hard to follow and they like last year um uh I, I was Brit and Adam right I think who, who ended up winning it so yeah they they are going to be kind of uh, probably a part of it again but shout out to uh shout out to, to TK we give him crap for a lot of things this is a cool gesture especially when it's like it's sort of hard to do when you don't have all of that footage and packages and stuff. I think he really was an Owen fan. No, and I agree. I, I, I'm not going to blast the guy for this. I, I'm not. He, he, the family supports it, as you said. Um, you know, I, I, I know it's. We all make fun of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, or uh, you know, some of these little things that the WWE does tournament wise that doesn't end up meaning a whole heck of a lot. I think about the only thing that's the tournament wise or type matches that you win that's meaningful is money in the bank briefcase where you actually have a chance. I wouldn't mind adding an extra stipulation instead of just prestige because once it was over, it was kind of like it was over, right? I would have blown it up that Cole and Britt uh, and maybe they, this is what they're going to do, that they were number one contender. They're back to back to defeat they get the number one seed easiest match and then if you win it uh, you you get the next shot at the aew uh world championship men's and on the women's side i would look i've all we've always agreed on a lot of things but i think the one thing you and i both have felt strongly about is if you're going to do a tournament or you're going to do something make it really really meaningful where somebody gets a number one contender and gets that next shot and it, it it, it gives you a little bit more, okay, these matches are a little bit more meaningful, you know? And if I got to go to YouTube or Friday night or Saturday night to watch a match between Adam Cole and so-and-so, and this is the semifinals or whatever, I'm really going to get into it. And I think that's what they're going to do with the finals. I think it, the finals ends on that Saturday, June 17th, or that, that date stuck in my head for some reason. I think that may be the kickoff of this new 
AEW Saturday night show. So maybe they have some stuff planned for it. But I wouldn't le- I, look if you don't have the footage. I, I would like to see a little bit more, a uh, little bit more uh, promotion behind it because I, I do think it's a nice gesture. One of the write-ups I was looking at for the next match said TNT Championship Wardlow versus some guy with no chance. <laughs> there wasn't a graphic. They didn't say a name for Dude, this guy. They didn't even announce this guy. They yeah, didn't say a name. We didn't get a jobber name. We didn't get nothing. No fake, no, nothing. And all we got was Wardlow, headbutt, big clothesline, and then power bombs. It was kind of just slow and sloppy looking. And it's fine. Like, I just, I don't know what we've done with him. The It feels like we're doing the same thing we did with him two other times, but it's just not, he's just not as over as he was the two other previous times. And it's, it's a yeah, bummer because so. this was a guy who was really naturally over. Now you try to put Arn with him and Arn will say some funny things and do some funny things. I just don't know. Like it feels no so forced. There's, it's so forced. Yeah. Like, it's just an odd pairing. You know, it just is. It's like seeing Tully Blanchard out there with someone. And I understand you putting with FTR. Tully was a part of this big tag team with double-A Arn Anderson. I, I, look, he just won this title from Powerhouse Hobbs last week. And it feels like it's been months ago since he's won it. And it's only been a week. I, I don't, again, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to where we were with uh, with Woodlow. I just don't. I, I, I no. If you're putting with MJF now. I still think you're going to have that little asterisk, what could have been. and He's the last guy to beat uh, MJF. What does it say about the title? Yeah. And what does it say about this title that he's got? I mean, Orange Cassidy's title is more important than this you, one. You, it, it, absolutely, that's what I was just about to say. If, if, if we're going to make things meaningful or less meaningful, this has really no meaning right now. None. None not to me. And beat a jobber. And then what the hell if are you going to have you beat jobbers? So why and why your just makes zero sense. And then what I don't understand from a booking standpoint, you've got these two big guys. So Luchasaurus, you're trying to repackage right now. You got him looking like a monster coming out with Christian, and then you've got Wardlow there. What you're gonna have Wardlow beat Luchasaurus? Okay, then like, what does that do for this new guy who you just repackaged? He's gonna be done if you try to have Wardlow lose this match. You cannot have him lose and then try to go do something with MJF. I just, I don't know. I don't feel really good about where either of these guys are at the moment. And then we got into Sammy being interviewed by MJF or by Renee. MJF's back there. They're kissing each other, acting like best friends. Um, There were one or two spots that were kind of funny, I will say. Um, It was almost cringy funny, but, you know, they're being you know, real stupid. They gave each other a matching vest and then Burberry scarves and they hug. Um, then they have the match where it's Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara and winner by DQ is Sammy because MJF gets a skateboard, throws the skateboard to Darby and he pulls the Eddie Guerrero move. Now what's crazy about this, this match goes 14 minutes. (laughs) The disqualification comes because Darby's holding a skateboard. Okay, so first of all, we don't ever see disqualifications in AEW for anything. Anything. Like, officials don't pay attention to anything. There's never DQs. There's never countouts. They don't care if tag team partners tag in and out. 
They don't care about anything. They'll see stuff right in front of their face. They have to act like it didn't happen. Officials don't call anything. But now they're calling a DQ for something they didn't even see. For something (laughs) after not calling a DQ when they pulled out a table and put the dude through a table. And they saw that. So that's not a DQ. But having a skateboard in your hand and not even using it and not even sure that the person used it, that is a DQ. Just wanted to make sure I got the rule book correct here, Coop. Well, <laughs> and you laughed the other day when I told you I, I can't keep up. Um, so this is the old Eddie Guerrero move, right? Yeah. This is WWE has been known to, to pull the spot where Eddie has the chair, the ref's not looking. Uh, there's, he's, He's distracted with outside interference somehow, some way. The chair's involved, which is brought in by the heel. Uh, he takes the chair, whatever, lays down, gives the chair back to the heel. Referee turns around or the baby face, whatever, and we've got an issue. Yeah. I just look, okay, if you want to do that spot, fine. Okay. But here we are, and we talked about it last week where Sammy Guevara was involved in a disqualification match, right? for him to advance on in this four pillars of MJF. And here we are again. Um, Sammy wins by disqualification. He moves on, but wait, 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 Gino, what we have, we're going to have a tag match, right? Next week. And if why it's didn't, good. we said this last week, why didn't we just do this from the beginning? And you can have these disqualification matches after then you could put these guys one-on-one against each other. WWE does that all the time with their triple threats or elimination chamber. If you have six or eight people, those guys are going to be in tags. They're going to be in one-on-ones and it makes for somewhat meaningful matches, right? Why didn't you just do this from the get-go? It would have been, been more believable. And it's, it, it's like we all knew where they were going. We all knew where they were going to get. And Tony Shavani comes out and says, oh, Tony Khan says we're going to have a match next week. And it's going to be a tag team, Darby and Jack Perry versus Sammy and MJF. Whoever wins, if it's Sammy and MJF, they have the match one-on-one. If it's Darby and Jack and Perry, it's going to be a fatal four-way. We all knew it was going to be a fatal four-way from the beginning. Why not have them, the whatever you want to do, beat the clock challenges, qualifying matches. It's funny. MJF, in all of his other feuds, has made people qualify (laughs) and go through things to face him. And then in this one, when it would have actually made sense for all of the guys, like he should have had all three of them. He could have handpicked opponents for each of them that they had to get by in order to, to come to his match. That would have actually made sense this time. And they didn't do it. They did this really convoluted way of something we all knew was going to happen. I would have rather seen, Sammy Guevara against in, in a in a match against someone else that he wins to get through, then him have two disqualification matches that we all knew weren't even going to have clean finishes and they meant nothing because we knew they were going to get to the fatal four way to begin with. And I think they 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 they're too smart about it because they know the match is probably going to be really good. You know these guys are going to go is. all out. This could, I'm not saying it's it's going to be the last time, but. 
how many more times is Sammy Guevara or Darby going to be in a main event for the world title? Now, the way things are going, they could be in another couple of months. Who knows? But, but, the, but this is like the first so the moment for fantastic. all of these guys, too, in this type of a match, right? To have yes, they're going to be the that is main true. event, that is true. go all out like Sammy. In a world championship. Yes. Yeah. They're going to do some things like Sarf, uh, Sammy and Darby are going to do some really unsafe things in this match. You know, like, like <laughs> they, are, they are like, it's going to be like, oh, man, they shouldn't have done that. Um, again, once we get there, it'll be fine. But how we got there, eh, very cringe for me. We had a QTV segment. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, and then Taya Valkyrie. Versus Jade. Jade is 55 and 0 now. Why do we have this storyline backwards again, though? How come Taya Valkyrie and Jade, they don't, this is like their first match. How come there's, there's already a stipulation that she can't, Taya can't use her finisher in this match? Like that should be something at (laughs) the end of the feud. How come that happens right away? Yeah, let the heel, yeah, let the heel. Be the one that determines, hey, look, you've we've built it up. You know what? This is the last chance you get at this title. Or let Taya say, hey, look, I'm so confident that I can beat you. And it, it, look, if I can't beat you here, I'll I'll never fight for this title again or whatever. If you're going to do that gimmick. But why not give them the opportunity to add that stipulation in the storyline instead of doing it backwards? And, and it just it wasn't good. And Taya Valkyrie is one of the top women's talents in the She's world. Excellent. Her resume speaks for itself. Gino, you wouldn't have known that on Wednesday night. No. It just wasn't good. It wasn't good. It the, was a book right. Flow, it wasn't done right. It no, and good. the flow was it was another instance where we see sort of why Jade had two or three extremely impressive moves. She pulled off a Canadian destroyer, which looked, looked really great. And there were a couple others. But the flow of the match, it was awful. It was awful. It was. It was slow. It was a uh, There was correctly. no pace to it whatsoever. And it was one of those things where Taya had to slow herself down because that's where Jade still is right now. And it, it's unfortunate because she's won 55 matches. This was the first one that I can even really remember, honestly. Yeah. That, that's, because yeah. there was at least some story to it. But, yeah, this was disappointing. And... And it's not over. Evidently, we're going to get another run at this. Yeah. And that's what, what do you, what are we going to do next? Uh, she can use her finisher. So is she the one that beats Jade? Um, uh, now you've really, really done some things that, that are, because she's undefeated. And if, if Taya is the one to do it, you should have done this the another way. And look, not every match is flowing. You, we saw on NXT Tuesday night, the main event, these three ladies did gave their heart and soul. There were moments in that match it got very, very sloppy because it went very long, and these these athletes are tired. But they're you know they're a lot younger. When, they and Indy was hurt as long. Like, Indy was hurt. And in Indy that was match. hurt. Like legit well, hurt. That's Indy the was hurt. And I so I think that yeah. all of, in a match with someone who's legit hurt, you, it's in your head. You're taking it a little. You know, like everyone's oh, kind of a absolutely, step slow, absolutely. and this was this was disappointing because I wanted was, to this, see this match. Yeah, yeah, because we are both big Taya fans. Taya is California absolutely. based; everybody knows that. You've seen her; I've seen her multiple times uh, in person. Just a fantastic talent. It looks like they didn't even 
like book this match. They didn't even like work it out or do anything. It was just some moves were impressive, but when you start a match by saying that Taya can't use her finisher, you know how it's going to end. And it just, it was not good for, it's not a good display for either lady. Yeah, we, um, it's got a quick little promo with Britt and Jamie Hayter backstage. Britt's got a black eye. Um, they're continuing on their feud with the outcasts. And then, wow, already on Rampage this week, Jay White and Juice Robinson. It's like, not, who, who? Jay White? Who? He just feels like random guy versus Ricky Starks and Sean Spears on Rampage. And then this must have been a joke. They had Excalibur run through everything that's coming up. This was un like absurd. And he was almost laughed. Like this had to have been a rib on someone because I've heard him do it before. He does it fast every week. But this was insane. It's like, what do you do you think anyone's getting anything out of that segment? You think anyone's actually like, oh yeah, I heard what he said there, and I'm I'm gonna tune into that match on Friday. Like, no. You don't even hear like <laughs> you don't even get what he's saying. Oh man. Um we finished up with Omega and Takashi uh Takeshita versus Butcher and the Blade. Again, this this was kind of weird because you've got this match, you've got the Jarrett and the Dax match, and then you've got the Taya and the Jade match. I didn't think this match was very good. It wasn't like it was bad. Normally, no. they have an awesome match in the main event. That's a really good in-ring match. Sure. This was basically, you're telling a story. So this is like Omega and Takeshita. Like, they, this was like them dominating the match. And then after the match, Brian Danielson and the Black Bolt Combat Club come out. Brian Danielson botched one of his lines just brutally. <laughs> which was, was pretty funny. Yeah. He's great on the mic. He said he botched it and the crowd just was eating him alive after it was great. They would, they were tearing him apart. And, uh, and then Blackpool combat club attacks. And then they try to sort of force Takeshita to become a part of the Blackpool combat club. He doesn't want to. So they decide they're going to use a screwdriver to his head. So, John Moxley takes a screwdriver to his head a few times. <laughs> As they go off the air, he's gushing blood from from the head. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I just I'll I'll keep it I'll 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 keep it short on this main event. Number one, it's not a main event. Um, nothing against the butcher and the blade, but why why they're in the main event on this Wednesday show is beyond me. We're, put the guns um, in there. We're the guns, right? Like they just they just it, lost. Or, or, if, Clay, yeah. Like give me a tag team that's a little bit more relevant than this. Why are you? I know they were doing it because of the angle, but here's the problem. I, I, yeah. The angle wasn't quick. Wasn't enough after, right? The, if there no, was going to be no. that, this match needed to be a two minute squash and then ten minutes of angle, and it wasn't that at all. They always are rushing the angle. No, it. it, it yeah, and I would have been fine if this was at the opening of the show or the middle of the show. Okay, I have no problem with it. This is what you want to do. You want to do, but to end the show like this, if you're re if you're really one of those ratings and and some of these guys who are on Twitter are self proclaimed now just ratings gurus. Experts. If you want to break down segment by segment with yeah, what some of these people doing, I'm telling you, I I don't know how many people stuck around for for that. I I know Omega, I. It just didn't end very well. You, you and I both are on the uh, on the the same plane as 
is what we think about blood and stuff like that. But I, I just didn't get why this show was finished this way. I just didn't get it again. I thought they had a chance this week. Um, I thought Raw was good, but there was some Vince McMahon news that came out that people tried to blow up to make, but it was negative stuff. And then there, here's this buildup with this big announcement. Okay, AEW has a chance. Just didn't like the ending of it. And I think Damn. people remember more of the show's ending than they do what happened during the show because that's what you end with. And most of the people don't watch Friday nights. Just a long week of what could have been for AEW. Well, you had a good match to open the show. And then Very, following yep. that, you had Jarrett and Dax. Okay. You had Sammy and Darby that ended in a DQ. And then all the stuff around that was wonky. You had Jade and Taya, which I was disappointed in. I would hope I was hoping yeah, right now to see a little bit more from Jade uh, in ring. And then the main event didn't feel like a main event. So you didn't really get that one banger. There's normally two or three on AEW. We we don't even address them because it's like, oh, yeah, there's always really great wrestling. This week, it just felt like there there wasn't. Um, now there was. This was an old Thursday night thunder. WCW, yeah. they finally come to your hometown and you get this. And it is you, Morris, versus... Uh, who, what was Van? Uh, what was that guy say? They're all, all in the same group. Uh, Van Hammer. Van Hammer. This was, was like when WWE yeah. would run the uh, the double. They would have two house shows, you know, on the loop. Yeah. And you would yes. the B show, and it would be like, oh no, I got saw Jim Duggan versus IRS <laughs> to main event. Oh no, yes. you know. Yes. Coco yeah. Beware is in the main event. Exactly. I, I love Coco, but he shouldn't be but main Coco eventing. versus oh, Earthquake. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's sort of what it felt Ooh. like this week. As we head yeah, on over, that's funny. So the big news this week in WWE, Chad, was that. Yeah, we have a new title. Um, yeah, and so I I gotta say, completely mixed feelings on this. Completely mixed okay. because okay. I don't like the way that that we got here. Okay, Ro- Roman should have lost. Cody should have won if you were going to do this. But now we're in a situation where. I do think you need a, you need a, a champion for at least one of these raw like one of these brands that's on TV more often. I can totally understand why they want that. It's weird when you have a bunch of guys that don't ever mention the title. They don't even have it to go after to shoot for. So I get it. I just feel like if you give this new title, Triple H came out on Monday Night Raw, introduced the new title, showed it, talked about they're going to have a um, you know, matches leading to Night of Champions, and they're going to crown a new champ there. It's got to be someone that's that's the right person because if this is Cody, it's not going to work. It's going to feel like it's a consolation. If this is Drew, it might also. If this is a heel, it might be okay because a heel can run with it. If this is Seth Rollins, it might be okay because Seth hasn't been beat by Roman. Anyone else who's been defeated by Roman, this feels like the, oh, well, they couldn't beat Roman, so here's this title for them. If this is Sammy or KO or anyone like that, it's going to feel like it's not as important as the other title. Um, What do you feel about the, the new title here, Coop? Well, yeah, it's an interesting situation to be in because you nailed it. This, It finally bit them. 
um, where you need titles split up uh, for for two different brands. And you know, we've we've heard this little rumor here that we could be going back to the brand split pay-per-views. Um, I did a little research over the weekend, and this is, you know, I, I listened to Ric Flair and on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it was really, Flair talked about some of the stories he's never talked about before, but they got into this company selling, and I'll tie it in real quickly to this uh, Endeavor. I think that's the name of the company that owns UFC that bought Mm -hmm. WWE. Yep. Um, Flair was asking him questions, uh, you know, about what do you think, how's this company, and Rogan, of course, uh, you know, is pro this, pro that, and didn't say anything bad. The one thing he did say is, you know, he said what, you know, they let Dana White, they, they're they very smart people. They let Dana White say, hey, look, you run the company how you want to run the company. You know, th- there's nothing broken about it. We like to see this, we like, but, it, but it's not dead set. And they think the same is probably going to happen to the WWE, whether it's Vince McMahon, whether he stays around. Uh, and, and we'll talk about this more over the next couple of weeks when we're some slow times about Vince McMahon's new contract with this endeavor. Remind uh, remind me to talk about this over the next couple of weeks when it gets slow because he's made it really – he's like a, a, a head coach, maybe Nick Saban. It's going to be really hard for you to get rid of Nick Saban in Alabama when you're ready to get – you're going to owe him so much money. Yeah. You just can't. But anyway, they need they, – they needed this title. Uh, uh, they needed this – two different titles, and – I'm with you. It does feel secondary. Number one, I think the belt looks fantastic. I really do. I do I think too. They really did a good job with it. It looks kind of old school. I, look, Triple H has always been top five for me, and I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm honest, you know, if I don't like something AEW, which I, I'm more don't like it than I have over the past, you know, year or two. I didn't. I didn't like Triple H's promo. I, I didn't. I think well, it was got, weird. It was uh, almost was like he was setting up something with Roman and him. Like he was tossing Roman under the bus right. a little bit. It was like, so who's like, and, what's the come yeah, up? Was. So my question is, yeah. So my question is to, to you, Gino is first and foremost, we have the draft coming up starting Friday night and it goes over into Monday. And then of course we'll get some selections to go after, but we know Roman Roman reigns is going to go first. Do you think he stays on SmackDown or do you think he goes to Raw? And I'll finish what my tie-in is with this world title. Where do you think he goes? Raw or SmackDown? It was funny because they they left it open for him to leave, right? They made it seem like he could. Which they said whatever brand that he's on. Or you felt like you might have said Raw is going to have this as their new champion if that was going to be the case. So I am right. a little bit intrigued that he could be flipping over to Raw. What do you think? I think he's flipping over to Raw. I really do. Now, yeah. whether he's going to be on every week, I don't know. But, you know, things are going to ramp up here. And you said the three names. I think this is the only three. I, not. I think some other guys should have the opportunity. But uh, let's be realistic. These are the three names that are being tied to this title. Number one, Cody Rhodes, uh, Seth Rollins, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, it's too predictable if Cody wins it. Yep, and, and it Cody feels like a downer. Like it feels like return. Yeah, it does. And I think I don't know how receptive the fans are going to be. Are they going to be? You deserve it. You know? Are they going to build this up? And of course, you know it's going to be crowned in Saudi Arabia on a Saturday at like eleven o'clock Geno's time, Kentucky Derby time, right? Right then, more? yeah. <laughs> Kentucky Derby time, right? Is it going to be that? Are you going to get that good pop 
on a Saturday uh, morning from a foreign country, which, look, it'll be packed to the gills. Everybody will be watching it. But will you get that same impact if Cody wins it over there as you would over here? And the same with Seth or Drew. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. This is very, very intriguing how they're going to do this. I don't know if I would give it to Cody right away. I no, just I don't know if I would do it. I, I'm a Seth guy. I would like Seth to go makes, with Seth. And he makes like the, the most angle. sense. Hey, look, I like the angle with you. And let's let's say he has it for a year, and him and Roman do end up fighting at WrestleMania, which you can have a brand cross then, and then you're ready for another draft. So I think if Cody wins here, it cheapens his return and his big, you know, his, his big moments. I, 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 it's it's very intriguing, as you said. Yes, yeah, Seth mentioned it. Mentioned that he hasn't been beat by Roman, and Seth could be a guy that you could have on your TV like a couple times a month defending it. Right. I mean, Seth would be. And we, we've heard the rumors that him and yeah, that him and Becky are going to be on Friday nights. You know, and so, I've heard the same with Cody. So that would be really cool. I mean, you have Seth doing a lot of these really fun TV matches for the title where we haven't had that for a while. That that could be just a different feel. So I, I think Seth would probably be the good uh, the good choice. Like I said, uh, Kentucky Derby weekend. That's actually backlash which is in puerto rico and then night of champions is actually in saudi arabia so that'll be next month but let's go through sort of what's set up so far because uh backlash is only a, a little over a week away we know on friday we're gonna have the tag team championship match and and, all, and obviously the draft is going to be happening over the next week or so do you think ko and sammy retain they've kind of continued to, to tell the story with the bloodline with the usos here um and they kind of teased some some riffs between the two of them matt riddle was involved and i actually liked what riddle had said to sammy like hey everybody said the same thing to me about orton you know and R yeah. so riddle's been a little bit um a little more serious with his character like he's actually not been just a total goof we're gonna have that six-man tag match at backlash but we have the tag team title match coming up this week on Friday. This is weird. This is a weird deal, right? You would yes. think they're kind of alluding that the Usos may win these titles on Friday night. I know. They're and they're making it seem like it could I, happen. So let's okay, let's look at it. Let's say the Usos don't win. Well, we're almost guaranteed who's going to win on Saturday, right? The faces. Kevin yeah. O, R you know, KO, Sammy, and yep. Riddle. I don't know what they do here. Uh, maybe Roman comes back and gets involved. This is this is an interesting, another interesting dynamic to Friday and Saturday coming up for this event. Uh, the Bloodline storyline has cooled off, and we know why. Because Roman Reigns has not been around. Uh, the, the Tribal Chief, we really need him to be in it. When they I did it in a crappy way. They did it in a crappy way. They, they had him did. out Monday Night they Raw. And, and they're paying for it now. Just pushing it to the side, now. and then we haven't heard anything about it since. It was like, we got mad about... When, 22 when, days? 23 days? Yep. We haven't heard from... He beat Cody. It was the press conference at WrestleMania afterwards. Post-night press conference. We were figuring they got to have something for him. That's why he beat Cody. They're going to have something right after. And they didn't. They didn't. They don't even have anything going. Which is a bummer. I'm fine with Cody Brock. I am. I have no, Me I too. Have no issue with, with Cody and Brock. But no. It, should Cody be the champion right now with Brock? You know? Yeah. Because that would have been a lot more fun than it is now. I mean, it's intriguing. Look, it's Cody versus Brock. But, man, if Cody had that title right now and Roman's going to stay gone for three weeks, almost a month. 
yeah, I, I just that's you know if you give it to Cody, this that's vintage Vince McMahon booking right there, and it's just I don't know, it's intriguing. I, I what do you do? Do you book the Usos to go over? Do you have walkie finish on Friday and a clean finish on Saturday? I don't know. I don't it's think you have crowd nonetheless. Yeah, I don't think you have KO and Sammy lose yet. I think you still have some stuff to tell with the I bloodline. I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, I don't like I, Look, I thought it was an intriguing note with Sammy going around and talking to the Usos. But yeah. KO's your best friend for life. Don't give me rift between KO and Sammy this early. They just the, won the belt. I don't too want to soon. You want to have rift with Matt Riddle? Sure. I Riddle can turn heel or whatever or whatever. It, I just I don't like the riff, the little the, the little dig there with KO and Sammy. I think it's way too soon for that. We've got a uh, Rhea Zelina. This will be fun. I think I'm gl- I'm really glad they did this sure. for for this pay per view because Rhea. Anytime you have a champ like Rhea that wins at Mania, you never expect them to lose right away. And so this gives Zelina Vega a really great opportunity to have a showcase match. She's gonna be. Work. She's going to be working so hard in this match. The crowd's going to be behind her. I like that she just went in and cut a promo to Adam Pearce and said, look, I'm the only one on this roster from Puerto Rico. Give me a chance. Give me an opportunity, please. Um, I want to do it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy they did this for her. Rhea's not going to lose, but Zelina's going to go out there and look great in defeat. Yeah. I, now, do you think we have a glorified squash here or no? No, I don't think so. I think they'll give Zelina they'll give Selena some. They should, especially at home. Like it's sh- Zelina will have a moment or two where it looks like she's gonna win, but Rhea will just be a little too dominant for her there. Um, and then on the other uh, ladies match, Bianca versus EO, they're telling the story that EO is getting upset with Bailey. Bailey kind of trying to steal the spotlight all the time. And if some of you forgot what EO can do. Go back and watch some of those NXT matches. This thing could be fantastic, Chad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that we all get caught up in what one of these superstars will say on Twitter. Or she'll say her real name, or he'll say her real name, or they'll change something on Twitter. But we think they're so bad with the company. You know, and it, 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 at the end of the day, they could be. Uh, it could be a work, or what have you. But this, this, is, this should be pretty fun. This would be the, look. This card, this this Saturday event, um, without it's, even without Roman Reigns, is going to be solid. And this is one of the matches I'm looking forward to. Yep, those first three that we talked about: the six man tag, Riddle, KO, Sammy versus Solo, Jimmy and Jey Uso, Cody versus Brock, and you got Rhea versus Zelina Vega for the women's championship, the SmackDown women's championship. Very curious to see what Seth freaking Rollins can pull out of Omos here, huh? Because I yeah, like is, yeah. You know, yeah. We're not Omos guys. I don't know. I don't know where. But we are to. Seth freaking Rollins no. guys. And if there's anyone that can pull, <laughs> right? Like if there's anyone that can pull something out of Omos that's surprising, it might be Seth freaking Rollins. What did you think about Seth's promo on on Monday night? With uh, I thought it was a awesome. hell of a promo. And awesome. How did you think it it ended with Omos coming out to the ring? I thought that was okay. Me I, too. I, I, you know I'm. I'm kind of intrigued because me, I'm a I'm a Seth freaking Rollins guy. Me too. I, I completely agree. And why I'm more intrigued by this than some of the other things that uh, that Omos has been in, I really well, think you're Seth, more intrigued by this 
So, you know, Brock. you're more intrigued by this than you were than Brock. And, and I'm going to be honest, I am too. Well, because Seth cares, like you, Seth cares about the company and these guys, and he cares about going out and having a really good match every time. I feel like he's going to do everything he can here to get something out of Omos. And Seth will get a win because at the very least, yeah. Seth has to be, I like, I think in the finals or one of the main guys, like you said, going for that new championship. Yeah, this, this, uh, you know, we wonder why, well, why is this being put together? You know, it has no meaning. Well, we're starting to see some reasons why we're putting this together. I think we're telling the story. I think that's why uh, the Cody Brock is so interesting. So I think, look, if we get down to it where it's these three guys, McIntyre, Cody, and Seth for this new world championship, and they take a pass by beating Brock Lesnar, Omos, maybe uh, Lashley, McIntyre, we'll, or along the way, something like yeah, that, yeah, right? This, this is this this is going to be unique storytelling because, you know, at, by looking at their physical presences, you and I both know Cody Rhodes should not beat Brock Lesnar in a in a in a wrestling match, and Seth Rollins should not beat Omos, and I think both of them are going over this weekend. If we had uh, a triple threat set up with Austin Theory, Lashley, and Bronson Reed. And what they've done in a few weeks with Bronson oh, Reed, Coop, yeah. they got to go right now, right? Put it on Bronson Reed. I, I want, yeah, I, honestly, dude. I think you put, the, especially because you have this new championship coming in, you can actually elevate Lashley and Theory to be contenders for this new title. And you can have the guys that were maybe not even fighting for the titles yet, like they can be back in that U.S. title range sort of how it used to be when you have two world champions. I could absolutely see Theory and Lashley being guys that would be in this tournament for the new world title. I would love if Bronson Reed won this thing and then let him be dominant with this for a little bit. Well, I'm t- I'll tell you this, Gino. If he's not going to win this weekend, they, they sure are doing a weird way of promoting him. His packages have been unbelievable. Uh, talked about it last week. Uh, loved the uh, video montage again this week. And I think the fans are really starting to get behind this guy. Even though he's a good heel, he's getting a lot of good heel heat, uh, some go-away heat. Look, I think this guy um, pins Austin Theory this weekend. I know they're going to protect Bobby Lashley, even though it probably doesn't mean anything. But if you want – look, Bronson Reed is supposed to pin an Austin Theory – Austin Theory type guy because he's so big. Um, this this is it, man. You and I both, but both said it since uh, uh, you started this week in wrestling on your on your podcast. We've said it since day one. We both firmly believe if we were bookers that the guy is hot now or the the gal is hot now. Go put the rocket on him. I think this is the perfect time for Bronson Reed to win this and then get drafted over to SmackDown and let the time. Yep. They usually do those, the United States and the Intercontinental. This would be a perfect chance for him to go to Friday nights with this title. We have. Uh, I don't think it does any good for Theory winning it or keeping it. Or, me neither. Or Lashley, Lashley doesn't need does. it. No, Lashley doesn't need it. You're going to have, you're going to want him to be in the title picture for this new title. He, he's a, a top tier contender. You put it on Bronson. This is the yes. moment for Bronson. Let's see. We've got uh, Damian Priest. He weasels his way in, you know? Yes. Yes. Into that tournament yeah. somehow. And you know, maybe even into the finals. In. Sure. Yep. 
Yeah. Bad Bunny in a singles match, Coop. We weren't sure how they were going to do this. We thought maybe a tag. <laughs> we thought maybe, you know, a group. But um, I'm not sure if they're going to do something with Dominic and Ray still because they have not announced that yet. But Bad Bunny, Damian Priest in a San Juan street fight. Man, this dude, <laughs> he's a star and he's a badass. And he looked good and sounded good on the mic. And those kiddo stick it's... shots were good. Like, yeah. he, he gets it, man. Yeah. You're in a great era of professional wrestling celebrities him and logan paul they're not really even celebrities anymore man they're they're legit well if if you're gonna end monday night raw with bad bunny and damian priest you better you better hope you have a lot of faith this man could have scratched this we hear all about these changes over the last several monday nights it's got to be changed it got to be changed i can tell you this if Vince was going to change anything, he would have changed this. But man, oh man, they have full 100% uh, <laughs> uh, confidence in Bad Bunny. And I know why. And I know uh, who DC said he was going to bed early. Uh, DC said he was going to bed early on Monday this is night. Good. He didn't want to stick around for the main event. I thought it was great. Me too. I thought it was great. He came in with a kendo stick. That, look, this Chicago crowd could hijack that moment and could have yelled CM Punk for 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 three hours or especially the main event dude they were all up in bad bunny's business that dude is an not only a superstar an international superstar and that that pop on saturday night in puerto rico man look it's gonna be hot because aren't they in puerto rico on friday too for smackdown i believe so nights over there and this made this has made damian priest feel like a big deal again oh oh, yeah he he feels he needed it you and i Mm -hmm. both said we he needed it Let's get a few minutes in on what happened on spring break and over on NXT, Coop. We uh, will preview next week. We'll do a big preview of everything going on on Backlash. So spring break in, we had a trunk match to open the show. Tony D and (laughs) Stax win a trunk match. They basically killed, they basically murdered pretty deadly here. I mean, these guys, they're in a trunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're gone. But the rumors are that Pretty Deadly is going to be coming up to SmackDown pretty soon. So, or uh, or somewhere on the main roster. Our first yeah. ever. We've had casket match, buried alive matches. We've had Judy Bagwell on a pole matches. I don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall a trunk match. <laughs> Judy Bagwell. Oh, Judy, man. What believe you come up with these? It was Judy Bagwell on out a Out of left field. These. Actually, I think it was on a fork. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Russo. Close enough. Was, you come, uh, once, once a week, once a week, you come up with one of these obscure moments in wrestling history that we've forgotten about for obvious reasons. And uh, they're, they're really funny. Uh, you know, they, no, yeah, this was good. This is this is what you do when somebody's going to come up to the main roster. Um, I, I wish they would they would keep pretty deadly. There's rumors out there they probably won't. They'll get rebranded. If it works like Guther, um, sure. Uh, I think this will. Add, uh, look, they're they're very entertaining. They're very entertaining. They're good at the ring. They kind of remind you of a a, a version of the Freebirds from back in the days with the with the long hair. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes uh, type gimmick. I, I'm all for them coming up. Uh, um, and and I, this is the way you book it. You don't give, if they're not going to be on this brand anymore and they're moving on, don't let them bury talent that's going to be, that's that's staying around because that, does, that doesn't that does do it any good. But I liked it. You came up with something clever, trunk match, and 
here we are. Pretty deadly. He's going to move on to the draft. And uh, our, our guy, Tony D, man, he just he keeps reinventing the wheel every week. We're going to get uh, something coming soon between Dijak and Dragonoff. That'll be awesome. Those guys will beat the hell out of yeah. each other. And uh, it was a bummer for our boy Chase. But this was a great look for Braun Breaker, man. This is this is who Braun Breaker is as a heel. He's using the Steiner recliner now. Oh, <laughs> just awesome. Yeah. This is good for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I, and he gets he gets involved in the main event, which it was a little weird because I felt like kind of the crowd. This is what everybody's kind of been wanting from him. I know this just this nasty hill. And they kind of liked it a little bit there at the end. Um, I'd be curious to see if he's one of the ones that uh, make it onto up. the main roster. I don't know. It seems like I look, he seems, he seems like he, even though he's the NXT champion, what, twice? Um, it finally seems like now he's getting some firm footing on a, I on a character. And, and, and I don't want to see him to go. I don't want to see him go. I want to I see know. him stay on Tuesday nights. I like him there. I do too. Um, I heard somebody say, like, <laughs> could you imagine you bring him up and you just put the new title on this guy right away? I you know, could. if you were, if you really want to make someone that, and you don't want this title to feel like it's a bag, like all these guys on the main roster have a little bit of baggage. Right, and so you put this title on them; it might feel like a B title. You bring this new guy up, who and he's a badass heel right away, and you just have him dominate and win. I don't know if I would do that, but I heard somebody say that, and I don't know. At least it's worth, at least it's worth mentioning. Uh, uh, yeah, look, it's an interesting thought. I, it's interesting. I, thought. I just don't think, I, I think he's, that they're gonna he go doesn't with feel Carmelo program like a big enough star quite yet in NXT, like some of the old NXT guys were. Right, you could have done that with like. Like an Adam Cole or a, a Kevin Owens or a Nakamura or something, and it wouldn't have been off a Finn Balor when though when they were really over in NXT. I don't know if you could do that with Braun. I don't know if it would work. Um, do you think? Do you ever think? Um, do you ever think, uh, man, if Adam Cole would have stuck around, I do what position he would be in today? Yeah, man, I, I just think he. I'm not saying he wouldn't be injured or whatnot, but man, this would be a perfect time to have Adam Cole on Friday Night SmackDown or something, especially that with that new title coming back, superstar, right? Because our worry man, with a lot of these guys as was as, as soon as they announced that title, as soon as they announced it, I thought Adam Cole would would have been a right in candidate, my first choice to put him in, put him in on that title, man. Damn, Cora Jade picks up a win. Um, over Lyra, Cora is probably going to be getting set up to be one of the next challengers for that NXT Women's Championship. Yes. I, I could see so. Um, my, uh, my, in in Milo's class, he has a girls. He has a couple of girls named Cora and Kiana. And I'm like, oh, these are the girls <laughs> wrestling on NXT. Like in the other day, he said, like he mentioned their names right back to back, and I was like, he said Cora and Kiana. I was like, oh. That's kind of weird. Okay. Okay. And Keanu James. uh, We had, you mentioned Carmelo Hayes got the win. And then after Braun attacks there. And uh, I thought it was a really good match, by the way. Yeah. Really good match. I I just, I kind of felt odd. I thought Braun was in a kind of a weird situation because, you know, we're so used to Carmella or Carmelo. Sorry about that, Carmelo uh, being a heel and he's turned here naturally. And then Braun is finally just beating the hell out of everybody and everybody's getting behind it. And here he comes after the main event. I thought the main event was solid. I thought the ending was a, a, a tad weak. 
um, or not the main event, uh, uh, closed the, out the first hour. Yeah, I, the I men's. Thought the, the, I thought it was a little weak, um, but the match was was as good as what I thought it was going to be. Waller looks like someone who might uh, could be on the way up. Also, you kind of oh, yeah. wonder. Oh, doesn't sure. really have a lot to do. He's never really won any of these titles. He might be someone they could do the uh, the live streaming Instagram live gimmick, um, and it could it could go over pretty well. I don't I didn't love the way they ended our Brooks in the Maria segment. I mean, it just seemed like they built all this up, and then she just says, "I never loved you," and then he hugs his buddy after, and they're like just right back together. So yeah, that was a weak way to get it back together. It was. it was pretty weak. I'm not it gonna was, lie. It was, it was pretty weak. <laughs> Our guy Scripps checked in. Reggie, um, he teased the match for <laughs> for next week. Um, we got a big, just a squash match from Obafemi, who is someone they're really excited on. Man, he he looks incredible. He's just green, right? He's gonna need some time and to work out some of his uh some of his like you know his weaknesses in the ring, but the dude. He's got a real look, and he is built like just phenomenal shape. I uh, is impressive. These guys, uh, the WWE, know what they're doing. Um, a lot of them don't work out, but the ones that do uh, um, usually have a pretty long career, a successful career in the WWE. And he's got the look. It's just going to take some time, but he's definitely one. Look, if you're getting matches on Tuesday nights, whether they're they're uh, their squashes or not, they believe in you. And I think there's something to be said about this guy. I think he's somebody that could, uh, could go up. They, they just like those big guys and they work out. And I, I think they do this. This guy's got a pretty good future, man. I like, I like what I see here. So looks like drew Gulak is going to have a match coming up with, uh, with Wesley. That'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, get ready for Gigi Dolan's brother turning on her. Right. And she said the brother's going to sit ringside and watch her cave in JC's face. I would not be shocked if we yeah. get a turn, a turn by Gigi's brother there. And, uh, and then we finished up. Somebody's comparing this. Hang on, Gino. Somebody's comparing this to the, uh, that HB, you know, HBK is basically running the NXT show here. And somebody said, this is the HBK Marty Jannetty storyline. It over is. Again, which I don't have a problem with. Which Who's going to be Marty Jannetty? I have a feeling it's going to be Gigi Dolan here. And I don't like that because I like Gigi. But I, I'm with you. I think the brother turns. I she think feels just like the bigger star for sure. Um, yeah, and then we yes. have the uh, the women's uh, the women's championship match. Indy versus Roxanne versus Tiffany Stratton. Indy gets legit hurt in this match. Yeah. Like legit hurts her ankle. She has to get taken back to the locker. Or she, she goes back to the locker room. Not sure if she's going to come back. She comes back out. They finish the match, goes 15 minutes. You could tell there was a real injury, but oh yeah, Indy gets the win. And this this was one of like a big moment for her coming back, dealing with that injury, getting through the match. We just don't know what next for her. We keep our fingers crossed and hope she's not going to be seriously injured for any long period of time. Um, they've had some bad luck with that women's championship recently from Mandy and then whatever they did with Roxanne, if it was part of storyline and, Hopefully not indie now, but I mean, I'm looking at the women's division and again, it just feels like there are so many that you could put a title on and be okay with like all three of the women in the championship match. Tiffany Stratton feels ready. Cora Jade right now is someone who would would be fine to put the title on. 
um, she feels ready. Also, we, you know, like Zoe Stark, I don't know if she, she's in the conversation. You're not going to put it on her, but she could have matches and she's like a really good worker at the top. Saul Ruka's not far away. Whenever Nikita gets back from, you know, being hurt and she's healthy, there's a pretty nice group of like five or six ladies right now down there that they all have some good, some like some good energy and they feel like they're at the top of that division. Yeah, I, I'm a Tiffany Stratton fan, and I thought this would be a, a good opportunity for her to win it. And I was a little disappointed that she didn't. The match was really, really good. I think the one thing we do, uh, we take out of this is I think uh, they're they're so impressed with Roxanne Perez. She 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 took the pin, so she's gone. She's 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 one Gotta of the be names. I, I would be surprised that this is going to be coming up. She's what 21 years old. Um, She'll be perfect for maybe a Friday night SmackDown, and she took the pin. She's probably coming up, and I think I think this. I think we get another indie Tiffany Stratton match. I, I think we do. Tiffany, hey, look, she's got the best excuse in the world. I didn't get pinned. I didn't get pinned in the championship match, and that's the old, you know, WWE uh, excuse there to get it automatic. I just don't know if if Indy's not too seriously hurt. Does in it's is she one of these ones that doesn't keep the title very long? But Tiffany Stratton sure is over. Look, Indy is too. That crowd was behind her when she came back out. When she came back out, Gino, they are up. Koopa Loop. I know we both have uh, to run. We've got uh, um, yeah. gotta, gotta, you got to go get checked on and see how you're doing from the uh, the beatdown the other day when I, I took a kendo stick <laughs> from the back of your head. So go check yes. out the doctor. Let me know if I gotta pay any uh, got medical bills for you on that one. <laughs> And uh, next week, we'll we'll preview the Backlash show, and then make sure you got a derby pick for me next week when we talk to you, okay? Yeah, man. I've been keeping up. Uh, you know, all I got to do is listen to one of your shows, and you've, you've been on fire in the NBA, man. I've just been tailing you. I just uh, – I just uh, – I'm glutton for punishment because I keep I keep betting uh, for Draymond to do this and that, and what he gets He's, away with. It's just – Every game is just beyond Jesus. Me, man. I know you talk about a hill. He's a hill. That's a hill, man. 25 fouls a game. And like, he acts like, oh, they come after me. They pick on me. No, they let you get away with everything. If any other player was pushing, elbowing, jabbing on every play, that's a foul, foul, foul. And no, not for Draymond. It's brutal. Not for Draymond. No, no. Well, Cooper, my man. Thank you so much. We're going to give you a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'll talk to you next week, buddy. You got it. That is Koopaloop, the Chad Cooper. And don't go anywhere, folks. We still have a lot more to come on That's What G Said. A big thanks to Koopaloop for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Thank you to Eric for talking NFL draft with us. Don't forget, folks, every day, Monday through Friday, NBA playoff previews. If you follow on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or you subscribe to my YouTube channel. We'll preview every NBA playoff game Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern time. And we've got uh, these first-round series all coming down to a close. Some of them have already been closing out, so make sure to join us there. And then for more weekend racing, come and hang out with me. Uh, It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. We'll post a bunch more stuff for you all weekend long. Good luck this weekend, folks, and uh, hope you have a great one. You make a ton of money.